The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you feel like something's wrong but you're not sure what it is, maybe you could use BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online counseling service that is there for you. Get 10% off your first month today by going to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. Okay, another week. Another Sunday, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out. If not, it's another day. And where am I going with this? Nowhere. (laughs) I want to thank you for joining me. And I'm going to get right into an email that I received a while back. Uh, It's talking about making changes in your life. And um, I'm just going to read this and I'll tell you what I mean. But um, this person wrote, Hi, Paul. I'd like you to speak on making personal changes in a relationship. My partner and I have been having some fights lately and I have been doing my part by trying to change some of my bad behavior in order to avoid creating drama or hurt them. But I don't think my partner is making any changes. She thinks that's changing who she is, or that I need to change to love her. She says that she doesn't know what or how to change. I told her what my process has been to make some changes possible, and she said she does see changes in me, but I don't know what to do about her not wanting to make the changes. So, help! (laughs) thanks for writing and uh, thanks for asking that question I would say that this applies to anyone in your life that when you are having any challenge communicating with them getting along with them and you realize that there are personality differences there are quirks there are nuances that perhaps aren't compatible uh, or are just offensive or even toxic you know, we can run into people like this and we want the other person to change. And uh, we go around in life thinking, you know, I'm kind of speaking for everyone, but I'm not really. But there's a lot of us that go around in life thinking that uh, we shouldn't have to change. We are fine who we are as who we are. So imagine how you think about yourself. I mean, Let's just say that the majority of this audience feels okay with who they are, or at least how they show up. In fact, they think they're doing the right thing. 
So you listening right now, you probably think you're doing the right thing or the best you can, and you are maybe even always working on yourself. If you're listening to a show like this, you're probably always working on yourself and you're always trying to improve. And so making changes isn't necessarily what you want to do, but improving yourself, maybe showing up in a way that is healthy. Sure. Working on your emotional triggers, working on your boundaries, working on your values, working on all all this stuff, uh, your self-worth, your self-esteem, so that you can be the most improved person that you possibly can be. You know, this is what we do. We work on ourselves so that we can show up as the healthiest, happiest people we can be for ourselves and sometimes a lot for others. It's not that we're changing for them, though. It just happens to be a good uh, benefit from improving ourselves is that we usually improve our relationships as well. Or we find out that some relationships aren't worth keeping. Or some relationships aren't worth uh, fighting over and fighting about. Like it's not worth your time to fight with some people or argue with some people. So this is what you learn is that you realize that I love myself, I respect myself, I care about myself enough to not have these conversations with certain people. Facebook comes to mind, (laughs) at least in the political realm. Uh, Some people know what I mean. Uh, When you get into conversations with people that will not change their mind, will not change their perception, and uh, they refuse to see your side and maybe even think it's stupid and that you're stupid, why do you spend any time at all in that conversation? It's like talking to a brick wall. It's just not worth it. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. I don't know, but it's just not worth talking to people that don't want to hear your side, don't want to listen, are open and receptive. And I, I think that's important going forward in your life to be around people that are not so closed-minded and uh, open and receptive so that, that you can talk with them and they'll listen and you'll listen to them. And there can be harmony in the communication. There can be some sense of a good feeling that even when you disagree, you know that the person still respects you and cares about you and wishes you well. That's like the best case scenario, of course. But then you have people like this, she or he, I think, I'm not sure, is in a relationship with this person and she's doing everything she can to change, but her partner isn't. And I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman because the name could go either way, but this person says she's making the changes, but her partner isn't. And she's wanting her partner to change. So here's the great thing about changing yourself. The great thing about changing yourself is it has nothing to do with anyone else. That's the first part. The second part is when you change yourself, you find out who you're compatible with and who's compatible with you. So if you're working on boundaries and then one day you decide to honor your boundaries with someone and you say, no, I don't want to do that or no, I don't care for that or whatever you do to honor your boundaries with someone If someone cares about you, supports you, loves you, and thinks the world of you, or at least respects you, then they're going to support you honoring yourself. And if you've been listening a while, I I like to call that 
those people honor you honoring yourself. When someone honors you honoring yourself, then it doesn't matter really if they change because they're respecting you. They are supporting you. They care about you. Not that it's all about you, but when it comes to improving yourself, you focus on you and then whoever is left after you improve yourself are the ones that will probably be in your life from that point on, you know, at least in a certain respect and for a certain time that works for both of you. But that's the idea is you focus on your own change. Don't focus on anyone else's change because what's going to happen is as you change, you discover what you really want in your life. You discover what you really value in your life and you discover which people will honor you honoring yourself and who you want to keep in your life. And that's really all there is to it. When it comes to change, you can hope and wish and pray and want someone else to change so that your life is easier, so that you get along better, so that there can be a better relationship between the both of you. But what it really comes down to is as long as you're doing the changes, you'll be able to decide what's best for you and they may or may not be in the picture. So I hope that makes sense. And if it doesn't, easiest way to look at it is when you make changes in your life, you're going to be more discerning. You're going to be filtering people out that aren't compatible with those changes. They may not be compatible now, but as you make the changes, as you improve yourself, as your levels of self-worth and self-esteem and your confidence rise, you make more empowering decisions that include people that support you supporting yourself, honor you honoring yourself, love you loving yourself, care about you caring for yourself, and respect you respecting yourself. So you can see where I'm going with this. When you make changes in your life, it doesn't matter if they make changes. You may want them to still, but if you're making these changes and you're growing to a mentally stronger, uh, emotionally happier person, then you will be more discerning and then you will be able to decide with confidence, with surety, who stays in your life and who doesn't. I know that's not always easy. It's not always easy to kick people out of your life or get away from people in your life. But this has to happen internally, whether you can do it externally or not. And what I mean by that is you can have people in your environment, in your world, in your house, at work, all these people that are around you and surrounding you, you can have them in your life and still have an internal knowing who's toxic and who's not and who you can let in into that emotional wall in through that emotional barrier that you have protecting your heart. And what I mean by that is there are some people that you can let in and be vulnerable with. You can feel safe with them. And then there are others that you can't. And it's good to be discerning about those people and who you choose to let in and who you choose not to. That's why the change really has to happen inside you. Because regardless if they change or not, as you improve yourself, it will matter less 
how they show up. And what I mean by that is somebody can be their plain old toxic self and show up in your life as a toxic person. And before you made changes, before you went through some healing and growing and learning and evolving, you probably couldn't handle their toxic ways, their behavior. There were probably things you couldn't handle about it. Even if you didn't visibly show it, you just kind of left with that crappy feeling in your stomach and wish you could have said something differently or wish you could have stood up to them or wish you could have just left. There's all these thoughts and feelings that you have when you deal with someone that could be considered toxic or unhealthy for you. And before you make changes, before you make improvements in your personal life, then it is very difficult to be able to handle the toxic person or the unhealthy person. But after you make the improvements, after you work on your boundaries and your self-worth and your self-esteem and your confidence, all of these things raise the level of resilience and increase your ability to be able to handle such behavior. And that's where the magic comes in. That's the golden ticket is that when you are ready for the challenging people, the people are no longer challenging, at least in the way they used to be. They may become a challenge in a different way because the way they were challenging fed off of how you used to be. And that's an important concept to take away from this because how you used to be might have been the person that didn't know how to handle things, that didn't know how to be resilient, that didn't know how to talk in the way they needed to talk, that to communicate a message that they wanted to communicate. Uh, that person was emotionally triggered. That person was uh, not as prepared, didn't have the tools or the resources. But the new and improved you has those tools and has the resources. The new and improved you handles things differently. And, you know, I like to use uh, stories from my personal life. The, the very first time I stood up to my stepfather was a time that um, before then I never had. And I stood up to him when he knocked on my mom's door while I was over her house and he wasn't allowed in. And I had to handle that. And I had never stood up to him before. So it was a very scary challenge. But at the same time, I like to look at challenges as those things that you are prepared for, you just have to do. <laughs> meaning the challenge comes your way for a reason. Meaning you have worked on yourself. You have worked on your boundaries. You have worked on your self-worth and your self-esteem. And now you can handle so many things. And then the most challenging toxic person comes along and becomes a test of your ability. And this test is going to be so scary. I mean, typically, this is what happened to me. It was so scary seeing this guy that was much shorter than me, uh, much older than me, I mean, senior citizen, I knew I was stronger than him physically, uh, but I felt like a small child in front of him. So he shows up. I immediately turn into this small, scared child. And now I have to confront him knowing everything I've learned about myself, about boundaries, about respecting myself, about standing as a man of integrity that even coaches other people in this stuff, facing one of my biggest fears that I didn't think I would ever face. 
But if I'm going to learn this stuff and I'm going to apply this stuff and I want to be the best I can possibly be, the most improved version of myself, I have to have the challenge. You have to have the challenge. The challenge has to come along so that you can prove that you can do it and then the fear is gone. Because when you confront the challenge and when you do it, the fear diminishes because you did it. Because there's no more anticipation. You did it. That doesn't mean I'm looking forward to the next time I face him. It doesn't mean that at all. But the big hump has been crossed. I've gotten over that hump because the challenge was facing him. One of my biggest childhood fears coming true that I'm finally going to honor myself and not allow him in the house. I mean, saying no to someone that you let do anything they want all their life, it, it's very scary. If you've never done it, I don't wish that upon you. But if it comes to that, you may have to. You may have to. If that's what you're working on, if that's your challenge. It was mine because I was working on boundaries. And when that happened, the challenge came. I passed the challenge and that little boy grew up. You know, I felt like the man I should be in that moment. I felt strong. I felt powerful that I was able to do that. And I was still scared. <laughs> I did it and I was still scared, but I had to apply the changes I made. And this is coming back to this email. When you apply the changes that you want to make in your life, you have to make sure that the changes also include dealing with other people's stuff. So yes, it's all about you when you're making changes and improvements in your life, but other people's stuff come into the mix and one of your changes may be the ability to handle those moments. And boundaries is a good one to work on. You know, what are your boundaries? Boundaries are what you will and won't accept in your life. And, you know, if you've never worked on that or if you're having trouble working on that, just ask yourself in every situation that comes along, ask yourself the question, is this something I want to accept in my life? Or is this something I really don't want to accept in my life? Or even more adamant, I will not accept in my life. Because once you define what you will and won't accept in your life, you are defining your boundaries. And the scary part might be to honor those boundaries when confronted. Because now what? Now you're going to have to deal with someone else's stuff. So how do you deal with someone else's stuff? That's part of your self-growth. That's part of your self-improvement. Someone's stuff comes into your field, your space, and now you have to deal with it. How do I deal with this? That might be something you have to look at. Every time my mom says X, I get this way. I think this way. I feel this way. Every time my dad says Y, I feel this way. I think this way. Every time my brother says this, every time my partner says this, every time my coworker says this or does this, I feel X, I think Y, I want to Z, but I don't have other behavior. We have survival skills, we have coping mechanisms, and we let those kick in, which are usually what we've learned when we were younger. I'm going to let these old survival coping mechanisms kick in so that I don't have to apply my improved self. I want you to apply your improved self. I want you to love and respect yourself enough so that you don't allow this stuff into your life. I want you to be the person that 
is in a situation that is unacceptable to you and does something about it. Now, does that mean you have to do something about it all the time? No. I don't do something about every situation that comes my way. I'm not Superman. (laughs) I can't do it. Every single situation is different. Every person is different. One might have more aggressive tendencies. One might be more violent. One I could probably handle, so no big deal. And others might be a wild card, and I have no idea what's going to happen, and I take a chance anyway. I think the idea, though, is to build up that mental and emotional strength inside of you by allowing yourself to confront your challenges and show yourself that you can do this. Because if you never do it, if you never take a step into a challenge, who do you stay? Now, you may love yourself the way you are, but I want you to really be clear if you are okay with who you stay as. Meaning if so-and-so does trigger you, they do something or say something that triggers you, do you like that? Is that okay with you? Is that acceptable? And if you say, yes, that is acceptable, then I'm okay with that because you're okay with that. And I think when you're okay with something, Because you say it's acceptable and I'll deal with it. It's no big deal. I would rather have me just brush that off and move on instead of having to deal with it because it turns into a big to-do and I don't want to deal with that. And that's fine with me and I don't have any negative feelings about it after it's done. Then I'm all for it. You don't have to fight every battle. I just want you to be okay whether you fight it or not. If you can be okay not fighting the battle or fighting the battle, then that's perfectly fine. I mean, not that you need my permission to do any of this stuff, but I'm, I'm letting you decide for yourself. I mean, it's important for you to be okay with your own behavior. I want you to feel comfortable in your own skin. And if you hear me say something like, you need to confront that person and really tell them what you think, and that makes you uncomfortable, well, A lot of stuff that I say might make you uncomfortable because actually doing it can be scary. But if you're not ready for such a big leap, then I'm not saying don't ever do that kind of thing. I'm saying take smaller steps. And that might mean just honoring your boundaries in small ways so that you know you can do it and then allow that snowball to get bigger and bigger as it rolls downhill. And the more you honor your boundaries, the more you honor yourself, the easier it becomes. And then you'll get the challenge. This is what I was talking about earlier. The challenge comes in the form of the hardest person to deal with. The challenge comes in the form of the hardest uh, situations to deal with. And the challenge is always about facing yourself. Oh no, my toxic relative is coming over. How do I respond to this? How do I deal with this? Well, if you have that feeling in the first place, then it sounds like you have some work to do in you. Uh, Not that you couldn't handle it, but if you're having this oh no feeling, then, you know, I hear an unpreparedness about that. And I think working on yourself is a way to prepare yourself, prepare yourself for these challenges. And when you prepare yourself for the challenge, then the challenge comes along and now you at least have some semblance of what to do next. And I want you to be okay. Let me just back up a little bit. I want you to be okay when when the challenge comes your way to be okay that you don't know exactly what to do or what to say. Because 
I suffered with that all my life. I would think about what am I going to say? What are the exact words I want to say? I'm going to rehearse this. I'm going to make sure that I know exactly what to say so when the time comes, I can recite this and it will be perfect and I will get my point across. That's a lot of stress. That will give you anxiety faster than anything. And then when the time comes and you try to recite what you rem- what you memorized, you end up fumbling over your words and then you're so stressed out or you're in fight or flight mode that you just forget everything that you said. And I mean, I went through that several times in my life and I hated it. <laughs> I just, I didn't want to deal with that memorizing something. And then when they show up, I'm going to tell this person exactly the thing I memorized and it never comes out and it never sounds natural and it, it just doesn't work. I mean, maybe it works for you, but it never works for me. But I want to also let you know that it's not necessary to do that because I was just telling a client this the other day, when you develop a philosophy or a big picture of what you really want in your life, what you really want for you, what your healthiest choices are, then what you need to do or say comes so naturally. It really does. Like, for example, my bigger picture, my philosophy is that I love and respect myself enough so that if someone comes along and disrespects me or causes me to feel bad or guilty uh, for no reason, they cause emotional harm of some sort, that I will feel it and tell myself, hey, this isn't cool. And when I tell myself this isn't cool, I will come up with the right words to make sure it doesn't happen again. Those words could be, hey, look, what you just said was very offensive and disrespectful. I don't appreciate that. I might say that. It's confrontational. It could be. Uh, And it might surprise the other person. And at the same time, it might let them know that it was wrong and they didn't realize it. And they say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, which is great. Then we can move on from that. But if I didn't say anything, they would never know it was wrong or bad. Um, But I might say that. And at the same time, when I tell myself, hey, this doesn't feel right, I might instead have a mental note inside. I may not say anything. I might put a mental note inside my head that reads, this person is harmful. So I would make a check mark there. This person's harmful. And now I know how far to let them into my field, my personal space, and even my heart. When I know that, now I have direction for myself. Now I know which direction I want to go. Because now that I've pretty much defined this person, they stay at a distance and I keep them at a distance. You know, this is all mentally, maybe even physically, but I keep them at a distance and it makes me feel better. And then if they continue to be intrusive or violating in any way, then I remember my big picture. My philosophy is to honor myself and only be around people that honor me honoring myself. So if I'm becoming dishonored, my philosophy kicks in. And once you have an ongoing philosophy that you carry around with you, then it's a lot easier to speak from that philosophy instead of from a place of unsuredness. I don't know if that's a word. In uh, lack of confidence, you know, in doubt in yourself. 
Because that's one of the things that creates your philosophy is starting to trust yourself and starting to trust that when you set boundaries and know what's right for you and know what's not right for you and you respect those boundaries and you expect other people to respect those boundaries, you start writing out your philosophy. It, It just becomes the natural way of being. And then you follow that philosophy. So when I go back home and see my family and then suddenly my toxic stepfather walks in the door, he's got a mental note in my brain that says, ah, here's someone that's harmful. I'm going to keep him at a distance. I'm not going to cause any trouble. I'm not going to say, hey, you need to get out of here. You know, I'm not going to be that guy because it'll be too much drama. I don't want to, you know, start that drama. I'm just going to have that mental note come up. That's part of my philosophy, harmful person. And this person, if he gets too intrusive, then I will step up because my philosophy is I respect myself. So I expect to be respected. I honor myself. So I expect to be honored. And if that doesn't happen, he violates that then it's easy to stand up or easier to stand up for myself and say, whoa, you're being harmful. You know, I probably wouldn't say it like that, but that's what I'm feeling and thinking. This person's being harmful. So it's a lot easier to speak from that place instead of, oh crap, I hope he doesn't ask me for money. Oh crap, I hope he doesn't say anything terrible or I hope he doesn't mistreat me. Or It's all that fear thought. If I'm in that space of, oh no, what do I do if he does this? Then I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to feel stressed. I'm telling you, if you don't want to feel stress and anxiety, have a bigger picture for yourself. Have this philosophy that you carry around and say, this is what I'll accept. This is what I won't accept. These are my mental notes. And doesn't matter what situation I run into, my foundation is my philosophy. My status quo is in this space. And whatever space is that is for you might be different than me. I'm all about boundaries and values and uh, being authentic and self-love and self-compassion and self-care and self-respect. And I'm all about that. And hopefully you have some or most of that as well. But, you know, yours may be different than mine. But for me, I think about all the challenges I've had in my life and how I responded to those challenges And if I didn't like how I responded or didn't respond, that's what I work on. I want you to think about the challenges that you've had in your life and whether you liked the way you responded or not. And if you didn't like the way you responded or the way you didn't respond, that's something you can work on in yourself. And whatever you come up with, whatever improvements or changes you make in in yourself because of that, that becomes part of your underlying philosophy of how you live your life. And then you walk tall, proudly in your own skin. So when that challenge happens, you are more prepared. And it's not a matter of fear-based thinking. What do I do if he says this? What do I do if she does that? You don't have that fear-based thinking all the time because you're pretty darn proud of yourself. I want you to be proud of yourself and not be afraid to be cool in you. (laughs) Feel good about who you are and the decisions that you're making. And I know some of this is uh, it takes a big leap. Like I have to leap from all this fear that I'm in to this place of confidence and pride in myself. That's a big leap. How do I take that leap? Sometimes you have to take small steps. Sometimes you just have to face the challenge 
and take the challenge so that you can develop confidence in yourself, so that you can feel good, that you know you can do it, that you can survive. Because that's really what it comes down to, at least the way I look at it, is if I survived that challenge, I am stronger. If I, you know, what's that saying? Uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, it's probably not appropriate to tell you that, but it does have a lot of value, uh, especially when it comes to your own state of mind, your own emotional state, and the ability to walk in your own space without fear. I'm not saying fear goes away completely. I still get fearful, but when you're not always in that space or place of fear, your mind is in a completely freer place. It's a much more clear space from which you can think. And this gives you the ability to make decisions faster and say the right thing at the right time so you have nothing to memorize. And again, all about the bigger picture and the philosophy. So I want to uh, get back to this uh, person's email and just make some final comments. And we're going to take a quick break. And then right after that, I'll read you a line or two from the email and I'll make a comment and then we'll close the show. We'll be right back. the emails that I get, um, I get a lot of emails that talk about challenges in your life. There's a lot of challenges in life. And people ask me, how do I deal with this challenge? What do I do next? What's my next step? Like the toxic people that I'm talking about on this episode. There's all kinds of challenges that come our way. And sometimes we have the ability to improve ourselves and improve our responses and make life better for us by being able to deal with these people and deal with these situations. And sometimes we don't have the answers. Sometimes we try and try and we still cannot get past certain challenges in our life. And that's why I love and I'm happy to promote this service called BetterHelp. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, they are an online private counseling service that just makes it convenient for you to start working on yourself and figuring out what's preventing you from achieving your goals and interfering with your happiness. It's not a self-help route. It's actually professional counseling. They are there to proverbially hold your hand, get you through whatever situation you're in, and they show up when you need them. You can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. And um, having tried out the service to make sure it was a good service for you, because I vet everything. <laughs> if it's a supplement, I'm trying it. If it's an online service, I'm trying it before I tell you about it, because I want to make sure that they're worth it for you. I want to make sure that it's quality for you. And if it is, then I'm happy to promote what I've tried to make sure that it's going to be something that works for you. And I am very impressed. The two or three people that I talked to in the service, the counselors that I talked to, uh, were very accommodating, very helpful, and always friendly. And I really appreciated what they had to offer. So I'm here telling you about BetterHelp. They are committed to giving you an affordable online counseling experience. And that includes email, video chat, phone call, anything you need that is, is part of the virtual world that especially now that we're living in, 
this world where we have to practice social distancing and all that, this could be the perfect place for you to be able to get something off your chest or talk about your stress or your anxiety or your relationships or maybe you're having family conflicts or you're experiencing grief or you're working on your self-esteem and they even deal with LGBT matters and everything you share is confidential and um, it really is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And uh, bonus, you know, financial aid is available. I can't even offer that for my own coaching services. So this is something that uh, might be a perfect solution for you. I encourage you to check it out. Head over to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Make sure you spell help, H-E-L-P. That's betterhelp.com forward slash brain. And you'll get 10% off your first month. And I got to tell you, there are hundreds of thousands of people using this service and taking charge of their mental health. So I want you to be in charge of your mental and emotional state. And I think this is a great way to do it. Betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Welcome back. Like I said, I'm going to read you this one or two lines of this email that I've already read, but I want to comment on them. So that's why I'm, I'm going to reread a couple things here. This person said that, uh, you know, I'm changing, but my partner isn't making any changes and my partner doesn't even know how or what to change. And so I wanted to comment on that specific sentence. If someone in your life says, I don't know what or how to change, here's how I approach that. I look at how they treat me. So they may be doing something that I don't like, but how are they treating me? Because that's really where change is uh, requested from someone else. Like if you and I were in a room and you started poking me in the head with your finger, I would request that you, I would strongly request that you stop poking me with your finger. And if you didn't stop, I would demand that you stop. And if you didn't stop, I would make you stop. (laughs) Or I would walk away. If I couldn't make you stop because you're much bigger and stronger, or you're just relentless, I would just walk away. I would just get away from there. So here I am asking you to make a change. And if you can't make that change, I walk away. Or I somehow find a way to stop it. But you know, bottom line, if you won't stop, I walk away. And I think that's a great general philosophy to have, you know, add that to your philosophical thought process as you go through life. At the same time, what if the other person doesn't want to change? Well, this is where you have to analyze yourself and ask yourself if you are going to continue accepting their behavior. So in this case, she writes, She doesn't know how or what to change. If I were this person and my partner didn't know how or what to change, it would be easy for me to say, when you do this to me or when you do this, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel disrespected. It makes me feel something. So when you do that, this is how I feel. Now, that doesn't mean I'm telling that person to change. In fact, I'm empowering them with the choice to change. When you're with someone that keeps doing something that you don't like, you can say, when you do that, this is how I feel. 
and they can say, too bad. <laughs> Hopefully they don't, but if they do, they have a right to. You may not like it, but they do have a right to say that. But, you know, let's hope that they have a conversation about it. What if they say, well, um, that's who I am. That's how I do things. That is me. I don't want to change, like the person said in the letter. I don't want to change. This is who I am. I don't think I should change myself. The empowered response to that is, that's fine. That's an empowering response. There's more to it, but that's fine. I get it. You don't want to change yourself. But when you do that, it makes me feel this way. So if you're not going to change, then I can't be around. I know I make this sound simple. I know there are people that have listened and heard me say this before. And they're like, yeah, Paul, that, that's easy to say. But to do it, well, this is something I'm just planting a seed in your head. And hopefully it'll blossom one day and you'll realize, oh, I can do this. I know I can do this. But it really does come down to when you are making changes in yourself, it really is about you. And if someone else doesn't make the changes and their inability or choice not to change affects you in a negative way, you really only have like one or two places to go with that. One, you can accept that they won't change and be okay with it. Like if you don't want your partner to uh, bring the barbecue grill inside the living room. <laughs> Hopefully they never do, but let's just say they did. And that's how they cook steak because they don't want to be outside. They don't want to be in the cold. They don't want to be in the rain. So they bring the barbecue grill inside the living room and the house fills with smoke. It's a quirky example. Probably never happens, but let's just say they did that kind of behavior and you didn't like it. And they said, well, I love it. I love when all my clothes smell like barbecue. I love when I sit on the couch and it, it smells like barbecue. <laughs> and uh, I don't care. I don't want to change that. I feel more comfortable doing barbecue in the house. And what your response can be is, that's fine. You can absolutely do that, but I can't be around you anymore. I can't live in this house with someone who likes to smoke it up with a barbecue grill. I can't do it. I, I won't be able to handle that in my life. It's not something I can accept. I can't breathe. It always stinks. I don't want my clothes to stink like that. Uh, on and on. So this is you honoring yourself saying, this is what I will and won't accept. That's your philosophy. Their philosophy might be different. I don't care. I like to barbecue grill in the house. I open the windows. Isn't that good enough? And that's who they are, and they don't want to change. That's fine. You can be that way, but I have to be this way. I have to honor myself. I'm sorry. When you do that, it makes me feel like you don't respect my wishes. You don't respect um, my need to breathe. You don't respect the way I care about this house and how it smells and my clothes and how they smell. It seems like you just don't care how I feel about it. So that's fine. And I won't be able to live here anymore. Now, that might be an extreme ultimatum sounding thing. But if you can get into this space inside you, then when they aren't willing to change, you can have a that's fine moment. That's fine. You can be that way. I don't want to change you. 
I don't want you to have to change and then you resent it and then blame me later for you making a change that you didn't want to make but you did so because you felt like you had to because of me. I don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen really. <laughs> you want people to change because they want to. This is why it's vital to empower them with the choice to change. So the person who wrote, she says, my partner doesn't want to change. She thinks it's changing who she is, like maybe at the um, deepest level or something. I don't know. Or that I should change to love her the way she is. Well, part of that is right. If her partner says, you know what? You need to change to love me the way I am. I don't really disagree with that. That's the part of acceptance. It doesn't have to be that way, but there's a person in this relationship that says, I like who I am. There's nothing I want to change about myself. And you either love me the way I am or you don't. That's pretty cut and dry. If you have a conversation like that and somebody says that to you, it makes your life a lot easier. It may not be easy to deal with. I mean, there's going to be some emotional turmoil there or pain, but it does make life easier to deal with. If somebody says, this is who I am, I'm not going to change. Oh, well, now that I know that, that's perfect. That gives me enough information to come back to myself and ask myself if this is something I'll accept or I won't accept. And if you choose to accept it, you can't give them any grief about it. <laughs> so there is a caveat in this. Yes, you can accept it, but you cannot give them any grief. You cannot make them feel bad for doing something that you chose to accept. Oh, if you want a barbecue in the house, great. I accept that. That's who you are. That's fine. But if you're on the phone with your best friend that night and you're like, I can't believe he or she barbecues in the house and smokes the whole house. I said I wouldn't give him any grief about it anymore, but it really ticks me off and I don't want to deal with it. Then that's not acceptance. You complaining and venting to someone about it is not acceptance. I'm not saying you have to accept. I'm saying that acceptance includes the ability to let it go. Acceptance is telling yourself, it's fine, just the way they are. And as much as I don't really like it, but I accept it, which means I won't complain about it anymore and I won't think about it anymore. And when they do it, it won't bother me. I just go outside and, and wait for it to be done and I'll come back in and I'll be fine. And I won't hold any grudge about it and I won't be judgmental about it. Acceptance includes all of that. But you have to be honest with yourself. Can you accept it? Can you accept the behavior that you once despised? Because if you can't, then the honesty comes in of, well, I can't accept it, so I won't be in this situation anymore. That doesn't mean you can't ask them, you know, would you mind <laughs> cooking outside? Could you please do that? And if they say, well, fine, I'll cook outside, but I'm going to be angry every time I do it, then it's probably not the best thing to ask because now they're going to hold resentment. If you ever get an answer like that, they usually means there's going to be a future resentment. And that gets worse and worse because people are just doing things to please you and they're not happy. And then the relationship ends up, you know, fizzling away. We don't want that. We want to come to a place of either, hey, you know what? I love you no matter what. If that's what you want to do, great. I still support you. I still love you. Uh, I don't want to be around. So I'm going to leave the house when you do that. And I'll come back. And when you're done, I'll be fine. 
However, you might say, no way, I can't accept that. Using my example, you come home and you smell all the barbecue and it's in your clothes and it's in there for weeks and months and it never goes away and your walls are all stained. And now what do you do? It's like, uh, I I don't want to live with this. And you make that choice. And that's the hard choice that you might have to make. I, I can't do this. I won't be able to do it. But when you have someone that cares about you and supports you and loves you and respects you, they're probably going to give in. They're probably going to be like, you know what? You're more important to me than this barbecue grill. You, your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions are more important to me than doing this in the house. Hopefully, that's the conversation you have. Hopefully, that's the way it goes. If it isn't, that's when it gets challenging. That's when you really have to be clear about what's acceptable and what's not so that you can make choices and you can communicate in a way that comes from a place of confidence in what you want in your life and what you want for yourself. So to the person who wrote, thank you so much. It is challenging when someone doesn't change and you're doing a lot of changes, but uh, hopefully you got the message that I'm conveying today and um, it helps you make decisions that you need to make. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining me today and we'll be right back. I'll say some goodbyes and my thank yous and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to betterhelp.com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month of a really terrific online counseling service. I also want to take a moment to thank the patrons of the week. They are monthly supporters of this show, and I read different ones every week. And this week, it's Clarissa, John, Lori, Bradley, Scott, Chris, Kelly. Oh, Kelly's still... Wow, you've been on there for a long time. Thank you, Kelly. Holly and Jesse. Jesse is a yearly contributor, so uh, I appreciate you, Jesse. Thank you. I appreciate all of you. Jennifer, Jamie, Janet, Angel. Angel, you just joined today. Thank you so much for your support. Angel and everyone else, uh, all patrons, if you haven't heard your name yet, you will as time goes on. I just have to read a certain number of names per week, but Thank you, existing patron members. And if you are getting value from this show and you want to contribute and show your support, you can do so over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And you can subscribe monthly or give a one-time donation. Totally up to you. And if you join the patron site, you get uh, all the episodes that I have in there, episodes you never heard before. And I have like uh, almost 100 episodes in there and some a video archive library and a lot of free workbooks and uh, discounts on my other stuff. So uh, check it out over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Thank you, all patron members. I appreciate you. And I want to remind you of the Love and Abuse podcast over at loveandabuse.com. If you're in a difficult relationship, if you are experiencing emotional abuse, or you don't know what you're experiencing, and you think it might be emotional abuse, but you don't like to use the word abuse, and (laughs) you might want to check that out. I just recorded my 50th episode over there. It's been on for about a year. There's a whole backlog of uh, episodes and information in there when it comes to dealing with toxic, controlling, or manipulative people. I highly, highly recommend it. It may be just what you're looking for. Even if you are not in a relationship, it can be very helpful to understand how to 
respond, react, deal with, communicate with those types of people in all walks of life. Check it out at loveandabuse.com. I want to thank uh, Jack. Jack wrote and said, I just wanted to reach out and say thanks for the work you do with the podcast. This is a difficult time for us all, and we need more people like you bringing inspiration to the world. Best wishes from Italy. Wow. Thank you, Jack. I mean, I am so grateful for your message, and I never saw myself as an inspirational. <laughs> really, I think a lot of people say that about me, or maybe motivational, uh, they might say, but I never saw myself as inspirational. So I am grateful for that. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for reaching out and sharing that with me. And um, I wish you the best too. And uh, finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And for my final words of this episode, I was going to make a comment of something I've already said, but I thought, you know, I'm just going to read this quick two-line email and address it. I like to do these uh, quick emails, typically on the midweek show, every now and then on Wednesday. But um, I'm just going to read this because I have a thought on it, and it kind of goes along with some of the stuff we said today. The person wrote, um, I loved your episode on the silent treatment. Then she asks, what if speaking up is dangerous? And what if when you talk and you want to resolve the problem by saying it, you're just ignored and told that you just complain? Having been on both sides of the silent treatment, it hurts on each side. It hurts even more when you can't speak up and get it out. Very frustrating. All right, so there is the length of the email. Thank you so much for writing that. And uh, my episode on the silent treatment, um, you can hear about it probably more on Love and Abuse. But um, I've had episodes on this show as well, but... Uh, silent treatment is when someone withdraws, withdraws emotionally, withdraws verbally. They don't want to connect. It happens for several reasons. Sometimes it's to make you feel bad, like you triggered them and now they want to make you feel bad. So they're going to withdraw love and connection or they just need to process. They need silence to stay away from you so they're not further triggered and they want to continue processing it. All kinds of reasons, but uh, typically, when I talk about the silent treatment, it's more along the lines of emotional abuse. Like I used to do that in my marriage. I used to give my wife the silent treatment. Not proud of it. Not proud of it at all. But I did it. Uh, and one of the reasons was I really wanted her to feel bad. And that's terrible. I, it's terrible for me to say that. But I did it. And I admit it. And I don't do that anymore. But when I did it, I uh, wanted her to feel bad. I wanted her to change. I wanted to control her behavior. And doing that, if she felt bad enough, maybe she would control her behavior. It's a very childish, very immature thing to do, but I did it. And I'm here to talk about it. And I learned from it. And it certainly didn't help the marriage. It dissolved the marriage. Things like that, that I did in marriage. That That's what really crushed our marriage and I had to learn I had to go through that just so that I would learn that it was bad behavior toxic toxic behavior so when this person who wrote she said what if speaking up is dangerous well if it's dangerous then you're probably around someone that you shouldn't be around I mean if it's really dangerous then you shouldn't even ask that question you know I'm going to be uh, Mr. Tough Love for a second. You shouldn't even have to ask that question. If you ask the question, well, what if it's dangerous? What if speaking up is a threat to my my well-being? Then you shouldn't be around that person. If it's dangerous, you shouldn't be around that person. 
That's my quick answer to that. I'm sorry if that's not what you want to hear, but that's my quick answer to that specific question. But let me answer your other questions. You said, what if when you want to talk and resolve the problem by saying it, you're just ignored and told that you are complaining? All right, so somebody is giving you the silent treatment and you are trying to express something. Well, I want to express this. I want to talk about this. And they're just like, well, you're just complaining. And then they go silent again. Very childish behavior, at least from the emotional abuse standpoint, not from I need time to process this standpoint. That's a different type of silent treatment. But from the emotional abuse standpoint, I'm going to be silent. I'm going to be quiet. I don't want to deal with this. And you're just going to have to be on your own and not know where I am inside my head. And I'm just going to be quiet. Uh, It's not always childish, but there's a big childish element to that. And I know there are people listening now that give the silent treatment. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm saying uh, if you're giving silent treatment to protect yourself, that's also a different way to do this. But I'm talking about I want to make you feel bad. So I'm going to give you the silent treatment. That's the kind of silent treatment I'm talking about. And in this case, if someone's ignoring you and telling you that you're just complaining, then I would ask them the question, well, do you see a problem in this relationship? I think that would be my first question. Do you see a problem in this relationship? And if they say, well, the only problem I see is you complaining, that could be their answer, which my answer to that would be, well, if you have a problem of me complaining, then what are you going to do about it? I mean, that sounds like a confrontational response, doesn't it? That's not necessarily what I mean. That's not necessarily what I want you to say, but this is one of those things where If you have a problem with it, then you should do something about it. If this person has a problem with me complaining, then they should do something about it. They should say something about it. You might want to ask, what is your problem with me complaining? How is that a problem? Well, I don't want to hear you nagging. I don't want to hear you complaining all the time. Well, what I'm complaining about, I mean, this is where you start to be more stoic, more rational instead of losing it because if we get too emotional, Then they can say, see, you're complaining. You're being aggressive. You're being hurtful. I don't want you to be hurtful. So you stay calm. Well, what I'm complaining about is the fact that you stay silent when I need to talk to you. And you might go around in a circle. It may not go anywhere. You know, this kind of conversation may not go anywhere because often the silent treatment with emotionally abusive situations is a coercion. It's a control mechanism. It keeps you in a space of always defending yourself or coming from a weaker stance. And if you're in that weaker stance, according to them, then you're going to want to resolve the problem. And you can say, well, the things that I'm complaining about are legitimate to me. And if you aren't able to address them like an adult, then I'm going to assume that you don't care. I mean, the kinds of responses that you want to give to someone that says, oh, all you do is complain, I believe have to be very grounded in adult reasoning. You don't want to be emotionally triggered the whole time and you know go crazy. You're like, ah, why aren't you listening to me? If you can be calm, reasonable, rational, and say, this is what I'm complaining about. And to me, it's absolutely legitimate. Do you think it's legitimate? And ask them, and they may say no. No, of course, it's just complaining. You're always complaining. You're always complaining. That's usually what happens. They'll just make it big picture and say, oh, you always do this. 
Well, I'm complaining about this very specific thing. We'll use your words. I'm complaining. I'm complaining about this very specific thing. Let's talk about this thing. What do you think about it? And they go, I don't want to talk about it. Ah, so now they're going back into the silent treatment. They're stonewalling you. So now you can say, okay, you don't want to talk about it? Then when would you like to talk about it? Because that's the important question. This is pretty much covering the rest of her email. She said, um, it hurts when you can't speak out and get it out. It's very frustrating. And, you know, if you're always being ignored and you're always told that you're complaining and you can never express yourself and never have a conversation about it, then I think a time has to be established because doing it in the moment when someone is doing the silent treatment or someone is emotionally triggered, very, very hard to express yourself and have a conversation. So you ask, well, when would you like to talk about this? I don't ever want to talk about it. You're always complaining. Well, if you don't ever want to talk about it, then we're never going to get past it and it will always be a problem in the relationship. I mean, you can hear my responses. They come from a very mature perspective. Well, if you don't want to talk about it, then it stays a problem. So do you want to resolve our problems together or would you like me to, quote, complain about it more? I mean, if you come at this very logically, very rationally, very reasonably, it's going to be harder and harder for someone to avoid because that's what it sounds like he's doing. I want to avoid the things you're complaining about so I don't have to change. That happens a lot. That's when the silent treatment is used to control, to manipulate, so that people can get their way. And if that's what's happening, you'll never get through to them. And it's at that point where you have to dig into your own philosophy about life, philosophy about relationships, and ask yourself, is this something I want in my relationship? Because I need to hard code it into me right now. Do I want somebody who just goes silent and won't have a conversation? If my answer is no, that becomes something that's not acceptable to me and I won't allow it in my life. So no matter who does that, I'm going to let them know that's not acceptable. I won't allow that in my life. If you don't ever want to have a conversation about this and you can't pick a day and time that we can talk about it or we can't talk about it because you go silent every time we do, that's not acceptable to me. I need to talk about it. If you don't like it, that's something you have to deal with. But this is how I live my life. I actually like to have conversations with people. I like communication. If you don't, what's the words? That's fine. <laughs> that's okay. You can be who you are. But I just don't want that in my life. So when you're ready to talk, great. But if you don't want to talk about it, then I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to have a conversation with me. There's so much more to this. We could talk about it for another hour, but that's my quick response to that email, and I hope that helps. Thank you for, to the person who wrote. And no matter what, no matter which direction you go in life, no matter what your philosophy is, what your values are, what your boundaries are, always keep an open mind. This allows you to step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.